This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Nextlander podcast. I was enunciating there. I feel like I turned up some of the higher end on this mic, but now I just hear myself and every enunciation happening. I thought you were just going for like a dramatic pause. A dramatic. I thought you were about to say the ramble cast. Pause. Yeah. Also, I have to make sure I don't say the ramble cast. Okay. Because <laughs> we did just do one of those. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, or I don't say any of the other podcasts. Right. Uh, you're listening to the Next Lander Podcast. Welcome. Everyone, if it's your first Next Lander podcast, I want you to know that you can just take a seat right in the front row and uh, just sit right there. Thank you very much. Now, just take but your just, seat. Just Please. a warning. Take your God, take your seat and Whoa. sit down. Whoa. Yeah, sit down Seven. and be aware. First three rows, splatter area. Don't don't mind him. He hasn't had his coffee yet. Are you going to eat that the entire show? You're just going to make that noise, just like just, just going to eat that popcorn sound <laughs> the entire show. <laughs> Do you ever eat popcorn in a theater if there's a uh, – remember theaters and remember popcorn? No. Do you ever eat popcorn in a theater and just try and like – you're eating popcorn and you're just chowing down because it's so delicious and then a quiet scene happens and you just do that slow chew that just like, 
The better <laughs> you don't want to make too much noise. The better one is when you've got a big plastic bag of candy you're digging into, and it's just like some you know gut wrenching scene happening, and it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, it's the crinkling, crinkling plastic is the one that I just can't do. But that's, yeah. that's uh, way better than having a mouthful of popcorn slowly turning into wet pulp yes. in your mouth. Mm-hmm. That's how you got to do it. It's got to like, and then you kind of you swallow it, and then you let your second stomach kind of just kind of mm-hmm. push it back up, and yes. then uh, yes, put it back down. Just let the old rumen get to work. <laughs> Uh, plenty of room in here on this uh, here podcast. We're talking about games. Later on, we're going to get to Trek to Yomi, Citizen Sleeper, Salt and Sacrifice. Uh, first, though, Alex. Yeah. What's up? I have to. I have a confession to make. You've never seen a movie. No. I. You know. I. That would be a fun confession to make here, but no, this is be. a less fun one. Okay. Despite the fact that I have worked uh, most of my professional life in audio. In some form or another, I have a confession here to make. You've never heard a song. I fucking hate working with audio. I hate oh, it. Oh, sure. Yeah. I uh, who doesn't? It. I, don't, I don't think anybody doesn't, but. Well, yeah, I just, so here's the thing. I grew up with an inordinate number of people who became sound guys in their professional mm-hmm. lives, and obviously they found some way to like it. And I don't understand their their brains. Wait. I don't understand how they got there. Hang on. Do you know that for a fact? Because I just assume that audio guys are the most professionally frustrated people on the planet. You can make a living from it. Oh, for yeah. sure. I, like I, you don't have to like it, though. Yeah. I, I, I know at least two who say they like it. Whether or not okay. they are lying to me to save face for the career they have chosen for themselves, I couldn't tell uh-huh. you, but they seem to be thriving in this environment, and I have nothing but admiration and deep confusion over that. You, you know, do you know what sucks about audio? Everything. You can't see it. No. There's, you no, could, there's nothing You can see there. a waveform, but you don't yeah. know what that's going to sound like until you hear it. That, that's an abstraction, though. Like, there's, you can't put your hands on it. You can't, like, if something's wrong, it's just like, ah, there's nothing to grab. Mm, I, I, I think, I think part of that, I think part of that is, uh, you know, I've said this for a long time, bad video, better than bad audio, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, True. you're the hu- we're just so attuned to what good audio should be, but visually there's so much else going on. There's stylistic choices mm-hmm. and this, and it's black and white, or, you know, it's this, there's like, it's bad audio or it's good audio or it's intentionally bad audio and crunchy or it's good audio and really crisp. Yes. Uh, and so we're just, you just recognize bad audio immediately. I, I bring this up because yes. I have spent the last several days trying to get myself into a place where I can just record not even acoustic drums, the electric drums that I have mm. in my apartment uh, just just to do demos, not even to do like actual like these are the recordings we're going to do for our album band stuff. Just demos. And setting that up has been more of an endeavor than I was really expecting something in the modern age of technology to be. So, Well, did you get it? I did, finally. But it took uh, multiple cables, multiple attempts at routing things through other things, realizing that I couldn't route certain things through this thing (laughs) because then that will end up on the recording, which I don't want. And so basically what I have is I have my drums now running USB to my computer. Uh I have my output from the computer running back into the drum brain, which is then monitoring out through there so that I can hear the scratch guitar tracks that I am playing along to, but don't end up recording those on top of it. And so I have to run a separate audio program to play those files while Uh I am recording in the waveform on Audacity or whatever the fuck I'm using for that stuff. And I'm getting there. I've gotten there. I managed to get one successfully done. 
But also, there are so many wires now crisscrossing this room that was already lousy with that shit. And okay. now I'm just like, I kind of just want to burn everything down. I'm going to posit this. Yeah. And please, if I'm overstepping my bounds, no, because please I don't do. really know idiot. what you're doing. Help me. You, if your drums are going USB to your computer. Yes. And I'm just going to say, say you're using something like Audition. I don't know how Audacity works. I would think in Audition, you target a track for recording. And then you can have the guitar track in there to play back solo. To solo that track, could Audition, could your computer use your drum brain as an audio output device when you plug your headphones in? Two things I have tried on that front. One, I tried okay. just running monitor out from the Motu, and that adds too much lag. So it sounds like uh, everything I'm playing okay. is about a half second behind. That's no good. Uh, the other thing is, for some reason, when I try to record an Audacity, every drum track that comes out is sped audition? up. Or, no, I'm saying an audition. Yes, an audition. Audition, yeah. Is sped up and crunchy as shit and sounds wrong and bad, and uh, it sounds like a can of smashed ass. And so that's not good. But when I just record direct into Audacity with nothing <clears throat> else in, you know, no other flavors going on in the background, mm. it just works. You would not lower yourself to smashed ass. I mean, no, no. like minced no. ass at least, please. Yes. So that's what that, um, oh gosh, I'm making a joke that's, joke that's way out of my fucking wheelhouse, but I want to make it, but I, I don't have the chops Try. to make it. Okay. Pretend I know a lot about drums. Please do. Animals. Okay. So that's what they recorded that uh, that Metallica album in, huh? Boom! There it is. Finally, <laughs> Lars gets his just desserts. I all I know is people don't like that snare. I have uh, actually thought about as a joke just getting a sample of that snare and making that my <laughs> snare sample for these demos, just to really fuck with my band members. But uh -huh. considering the ordeal, just getting actual decent sounding drums I've had going on, I'm not gonna do <laughs> You're that. You're not, not in a position. Which, no. Which album are you talking about? You're talking about S Saint Anger. Oh, uh, wait. The legendarily drum? bad drums on St. Anger. Oh, is, oh, I thought you were talking about Injustice for All and the lack of bass. No, no, no. That's no, a whole no. other Metallica recording problem. Yes, yes. I went down a weird rabbit hole of why Jason Newstead left that band recently, and like it kind of pinned the blame on Lars like hazing him. Huh. Like That's why the bass is almost non-existent in the mix on that album, because it was the first album he did with them after Cliff Burton was tragically killed, huh. and they never really accepted him. <laughs> Lars was like straight up like just bitter that they had to bring on a different bass player because theirs died. And he's just like, fuck the bass in this, but whatever. It's it. Here's here. I don't Dark. know. I don't know any of these people personally. I am purely speculating based on the various things that I've seen over the years and things I've seen people say. Lars sounds like a real asshole. Hmm. I hope that's not a controversial statement, but Lars Ulrich sounds like a real fucking asshole based on yeah. just about everything I've read about him and seen with him. Yeah. Anyway, could your could your do your drums do your electric electrics your whatever you call your fake e drums? You can just call it e kit, e drums, whatever you like. Can they can they act as a MIDI device? Can yes. you like can you like load a patch set in there of like a bunch of different dogs barking and play <laughs> play the dogs? One hundred percent. I could and also I could load you custom samples into the drum brain also and not even have to do that through MIDI if I don't want to. You should, you should do that. You can uh, also, um, when I was looking up your drum kit because I was uh, interested your uh, your e kit your yeah. electronic drums there. Um, you can record the MIDI and then on the computer, you could give it to Brad and then Brad could take like a Roland sample set and then map your drums to the drum kit in something like that he has. Yeah. There is a wide variety of possibilities for me out there that I have absolutely <laughs> no understanding how to make happen. Uh, because again, I am my audio experience, my audio editing experience is exclusively limited 
to guys talking into microphones about stuff. It is not uh, it is not really in the musical realm. I have never been any good at mixing, recording, any of that stuff when it comes to music. I just show up with my drums, I play them, and I leave. So, Well, it sounds to me, Alex, like your problem isn't an audio problem. It's a computer problem. And it's uh you you got you probably have some devices not configured correctly some clocks uh, that's, probably that's canned ass is that what you tell us smash ass smash smash ass yes yeah. uh, uh, good old denty war canned ass <laughs> mm-hmm. ready to serve now with preservatives don't open that if the can is bloated mm-hmm. you're gonna know you're gonna know your canned ass is bad you don't want to eat that um yeah I I you we were talking a little bit about your um. Your, your problems there and your um, I'm always talking this, to you about my problems this is the thing a lot of people don't I feel like here's the thing a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. about your old quarter inch jack a lot of people don't know there are different varieties of that uh, uh, quarter inch cable mono stereo different varieties mm-hmm. and plugging in a, a plugging in the wrong one say plugging in a stereo one into a mono one can result in some bad news. That is accurate, yes. Uh, also, plugging in a, a, a quarter-inch XLR thing and uh, could a stereo one into an XLR thing that is expecting a mono signal can also result in some phased audio. Yes. is weird. It's weird, and when you phase audio, it cancels each other out, mm-hmm. and you can't... It's weird. It's true. My first attempts were resulted in extremely quiet audio files with extremely high peaks, which was yeah. just super confusing. So basically, I could not amp it up at all because the highs were so high that, like, if I even put a couple of decibels up, it would just turn into just staticky garbage. So my my two cents here: if you're ever running into stuff like that at home, if you're going out of a mono output, and usually you can tell if it's mono, it'll say mono, or it'll just be the left output. If you see two quarter inch jacks, usually that means it wants a stereo pair of mono. Uh, usually wants a stereo pair of mono quarter inch jacks. Find yourself a mono quarter inch jack. Uh, a stereo one might not make the right connections inside right. there. So, or yeah, or that- you know what? Just do what I did and fucking find the one USB A to B cable that you have and plug that in. Oh, Everybody's got an old printer. They have, yeah. they have one somewhere. Sounds like somebody needs to develop a cable drawer. I uh-huh. have a cable drawer, and let me tell you, that drawer will one day take over this entire apartment. It Sounds is like spilling out like if spaghetti you, out of a pot. If you if you have fewer than between eight and twelve USB B cables, you're you're screwing up. I'm just saying, Say like fewer. Yes. Oh, I have a million like USB USB C like all those. It's just I have one A to B, and it one came a with my B. printer. Yeah, that's right. It came with everybody's printer. So now my printer Every- is running off Wi-Fi because I had to take that cable. I like those. Um, what are the ones? Is it like USB three A or something? One that have the little hump on them, like the oh the yeah, and have that the, the little extra bit on top on the top there. Uh, that's like micro. That's it. Like it looks like micro, but with a little extra. Yeah, that's yeah. What you're talking about no, well, it's a B cable. It's got the square, and then it's got a little hump on top of the square, like the little diagonal. Yeah, yeah. Is that a, a B? Diagonal? Yeah, I think I don't know. Not Folks, sure. this is the next Lander podcast where we come to vaguely describe different kinds of USB cables. <laughs> This is like uh, it's like uh, it's like trying to do a police sketch of a USB yes. cable. So he walked in. It was like square, but he had like a little house on top. Uh, could you describe the house? It was like kind of like a triangle thing. He had a beard. Really, <laughs> so side, a beard. Sideburns are a little longer than that. <laughs> it's like more like more like mutton chops. 
Oh, uh, so then somebody holds up a sketch of a USB B cable with dark glasses and like a like a hoodie. And like it's a sketch it of USB Cooper, <laughs> the guy who jumped out of the plane. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's <laughs> what the C stands for. Oh man. Um. All right. Should we get into games? I sure. guess I'm done complaining. I don't know. I'm still sitting here looking at this diagram of a cow's multiple stomachs. But oh, okay, great. Uh, you're ruminating on... Uh, That's right. Um, Do you know the rumen right. is also known as a paunch? Uh, no. No. I, I, a, I thought a paunch was something else. I had, a, I had a friend in college who was in vet school who got to put her entire forearm inside of a cow's rumen once. Oh, We good. are going to be talking about <laughs> Trek the Yomi, Citizen Sleeper, and Salt and Sacrifice. What do you think? This is some kind of ramble cast? You think mm. we're just going to talk about feces and mm. sticking hands inside of rumens? I'm no. Brad Shoemaker. Welcome mm. to Jackass. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's get into the games here. Let's start off with Trek to Yomi. Yes. Uh, this is uh, a $20 game, also available on Game Pass, if you're a subscriber to that service there. came out May 5th across the Xbox, PlayStation, and PC platforms. It's mostly a side-scroller, mostly a stylistic send-up to um, Kurosawa, uh, you know, in that vein of samurai movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, style it piece. Is st- a style piece. It is pretty mechanically light, I'll say. It has challenge to it, certainly. So, yeah, I mean, it, the progression of it feels to me very much like... Something like an inside or limbo, like that style of kind of moving across an environment, mostly side scrolling, but occasionally moving in and out of like 3D planes. Um, and the combat is very like you have a sword, you have strong and weak attacks, you have different combos you can do around that stuff. And then there's a little bit of like moving yourself, like w- with enemies on either side of you, like figuring out how to sort of navigate that space while also staying alive. But it is not necessarily more complicated than that. It's just that, like, hey, outside of, like, armored enemies, most people go down in one or two hits. Yeah, and um, I, for the most part, I have found the game to be, I finished it. Oh. Uh, Yeah, so I did finish it. I'm close, I think, to finishing. I'm probably about an hour, hour and a half off of the end. I, I don't think it's terribly long. I think it maybe overstays some of its welcome. I enjoyed Which is a weird thing to say about a five-hour game, but, like... Yeah, I enjoyed I it more as it went on. Action's fairly one-note, I think. I mean, there's some depth. You unlock more combos as you go, and some... Like, I started out just the upslash and the downslash, you know, where you can hold yeah. up or down and hit attack twice. Like, those combos are so fast, and most enemies die in two hits, that, like, I was just, like, blazing through the first hour, hour and yeah. a half without even taking a hit, and then... But then they start throwing enemies at you that are too fast for you to get away with that and stuff. Yeah, and they really want you to use their parrying system a lot because that staggers guys, that lets you kind of get in more hits and kind of do like their finisher moves once you stun them. Yeah, and they have a thing where you can use a finisher move to regain health, which really lets you fly through some of those later levels. Yeah, and I think there are ways to get stamina back too, right, by doing like... I forget what it is, like multiple parries or multiple dodges or something, I believe. There are some ways to, because you can deplete stamina and be like Mm -hmm. tired where you can't attack well and dodge and stuff. Yeah. So for the most part, I I found it to be fairly trivial in a a lot of places, boss fights being the exception. Sometimes the the boss fights and the last boss fight, I actually wound up throwing my head 
or myself whole self against uh, quite a bit. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, you threw your controller or something. No, no. It I did think about throwing my controller during like one or two fights, but yeah. Does the um, I, does the story I, go anywhere? Like the setup is like it's pretty by the plate. numbers samurai you, stuff. Yeah, like and that's not like I'm not saying that to say it's like oh well, it's awful. You know, like I I like by the numbers samurai stuff by and large. I've watched enough of those movies, Kurosawa and otherwise, to generally be a fan of that kind of thing. And it's it's like a a de- it's a solid little tribute to that kind of stuff. But it is not telling you a story you have never heard before. Yeah, I think so. I gave Ghost of Tsushima a lot of shit for its uh, naked desire to just do the Kurosawa thing, but in a Ubisoft-style open-world game, because, you know, that kind of thing can't really ever look like a Kurosawa production just by virtue of it's a third-person action game. The camera never really shifts in a way that lets it look like that kind of stuff. The thing Trek to Yomi does get right is that by doing that perspective the way they do and kind of having the fixed camera from like screen to screen, it lets them actually do stuff with cinematography and like kind of frame shots in a way that looks kind of like the movies that they're very clearly inspired mm. by. And maybe this is an unfair comparison, though, but the one thing it doesn't do that kind of bums me out is that the one thing Ghost of Tsushima got very right is the sword combat felt good. Like it felt... Every time you just, like, like ran a slash through a guy, it had that oomph to it, that kind of just, like, knife-through-meat thing that, like... And some of it was just the force feedback, but also just the way everything animated and looked. That shit felt good. Here it feels like you're just kind of with a sword, yeah, and it kind of, yes. you know, people are dying. There's something, there's something mushy about the feedback from the combat, for sure. Yeah. I know, I know what you mean. For some of those combos, you do have to be fairly deliberate. Uh, like, if you hit four times with X instead of three, you'll miss a combo because it'll be like X, 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 Y. And so they have a pretty long window. I never feel like felt like I got the parry system totally down. Or the timing was, on it's a little weird. It, it always felt weird. You're supposed to hit the button when you clash swords, and it always felt a little off. But you, you get things that open up the game that allowed me to feel like I was cheesing things. Mm-hmm. Like... um. There's this move that's like XXY, and when you push Y, the last hit will stun somebody, which puts them in the finisher state, which gets your health back. You can miss with the XX part and just have the Y part hit, and they will still go into that stunned state. Yeah. Uh, You also get a move where uh, they call it rotation, where you're turning around backwards. You get a move where you can do a rotation and immediately do an XY move and get them into a stunned state. So I would wind up rolling through people to just get that stun state immediately to hit them with the finisher to get my health back. And actually, I wound up using that a lot on the bosses. But it's not always consistent when you can roll through characters. Sometimes you can roll through someone, and sometimes you can't roll through some people. And people with spears always gave me a hard time. Anybody who has a spear or a long weapon... I just wound up using my ranged weapon usually to just take them out. There weren't that many. You do get a couple of throw, throwables. You get a bow. You get some other things. It, like, I enjoyed it. It, yeah. it, it kept me going. It's a nice little diversion. It's doing some things that I certainly wish something like a Ghost of Tsushima was a little more capable of doing, but there are other things I think it doesn't do quite as well. I think for a smaller scale experience, I, I wouldn't say that I feel like it overstays its welcome, but I feel like they knew what they had and they gave it, ju- they put it up just about to the line of like, because wh- right where I'm at right now, I'm like, let's wrap it up. I'm ready to wrap it what, up. Do you know what chapter you're in about? I think f- three, I think I got to the end of three. 
Because I think there's about five or five or six. Yeah, I think I was starting four when I left off. Okay. Um, let me know how you feel if you do finish it, because there was a part I was up to that I also felt like, okay, we should wrap. And then it, it went, it went on. a little further than that. Yeah. Okay. It went on. And I was like, oh, you know, because the character variety doesn't change that much. No. Uh, uh, you got a couple of harder, harder characters that have a couple of moves, but there's probably three or four types within each group of characters. And once you learn their attacks, you kind of know when to hit, when to parry, and that comes down to, well, how many are they going to throw at you at the same time? Yeah. And, you know, are they going to surround you? So, uh, Trek to Yomi, pretty good. I, I did restart on the locked difficulty, the one the that is one. one hit. Yeah, the one that's one hit kill at the end. But then they make you do the entire prologue again. Oh, yeah. There's so a whole I, tutorial at the beginning where you're a kid and you're learning about swordplay and yeah, stuff. Stuff is kind of long. A little so, too long. Not, so not only do they make you do that, they make you go through the training again, where you have to train with your sensei no. of like, oh, push X two times, push this, and then by the time I got through that, I was like, I'm going to put this cr- Critical story set up. <laughs> I, 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 I was like shocked once I got in there. Like, I saw Alex played on that stream the other day before I had started it, and then when I went back and played through the beginning, like... They really kind of overstretch with some of the art assets that they have. Like, I was kind of shocked how often there are, like, close-in cutscenes right on those character models. Mm. And, like, those faces do not animate at all. No, they <laughs> don't. Those character models look like they are made for a side-scroller where the camera is, like, pulled pretty far out. And they are totally fine for that. But there's, like, kind of a lot of scenes of it right up on those character models. And yeah, they don't really hold up in close-up so well. Yes, that, uh, I would agree with that. It's, it's yeah, it's ambitious though. You know, it's like the value of the game is just seeing all the creative camera angles they came up with and getting the just yeah. the vibe of. I mean, they pull off that look pretty well. Yeah, I think the yeah. look is probably its most successful aspect, other some, than like you said, the facial animation stuff. Some cool, cool camera angles, some nice presentation stuff. Uh, I was curious. Did you see how that's credited at the beginning? Like we kept talking about it. Like, oh, Flying Wild Hog made this. Mm. Like those are the shooter people. Like this is a weird swerve for them. But then, like when you boot the game up, uh, I'm sorry, what is the guy's name? It's credited as like a game by Leonard Menciari and Flying Wild Hog. And mm-hmm, I'm not right. sure. I looked him up, and like he's credited on the Eternal Castle, Neo Dusk, some other games. Like I don't I don't know what the situation is there. Could like, just be one of those things where like he had a thing in mind, like he needed some people to help him develop it, and right. so he just went to that studio and was like, "Will you do this like support work and, and additional development for me?" That's 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 an interesting model. Like I know like there's definitely some like justified skepticism around like the auteur model in video games because of what a like wide scale collaborative effort development is. Yeah. But like the idea of like a director, like a writer director, just working with different studios to make games is like kind of, it's, it's like weird and film like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it feels, it feels like something out of the movie industry. If that's what's going on here. Um, uh, 20 bucks game pass. Yeah. Finished it. I like it. I think $20 is a good price point for that game. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, uh, and also, uh, game pass, obviously again, if you're on game pass, Trek to Yomi came out mm, last week, last, last week. week. On the fifth, yes. Um, want to take a break there? Yeah. Let's take a break there before we get into Citizen Sleeper. We're gonna jump into Citizen Sleeper and talk about Salt and Sacrifice. Uh, so come stick around. Come stick around mm-hmm. as we get into more games coming up soon. Be right back. 
This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel them. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some, uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we're back. And I just had to go take care of a little of my audio stuff. Hopefully that previous audio stuff didn't show up on the recording, but you never can tell. So if it did, I'm Big sorry. audios out to get you. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Are they ever? Uh, Big audio dynamite. Blow it all up. Don't sleep on your audio. That's too many times I made that sleeper joke running into yeah. Citizen Sleeper here, but I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, we're here to talk about Citizen Sleeper now. Yes. Sounds like the sleeper is awake. <laughs> I want to go back to sleep. We are the sleepers of sleep. Citizen Sleeper available on uh, Xbox and PC. Also, apparently on the Switch. Switch, yes. Switch uh, on Game Pass as well. Another $20 game. Graphic novel with some, uh, I would say, tabletop-esque elements in it. You mean uh, visual novel. Is sorry, yes. I yeah. did mean visual Graphic visual novel is a slightly different thing. Visual novel with some tabletop-esque elements built in uh, and RPG mechanics built yeah. into it. So you, um, the universe in this seems fairly deep, I'll say. The, uh, the lore in it seems pretty novel to me. I don't know if it's based off of it, anything, but... I don't think so. Without, yeah, I don't think it is. Without, I, I haven't played too, too f- far in it, but what I can glean from this is that you were once human, once a man, and mm-hmm. now you are, uh, or some version of you inhabits a shell, some kind of uh, humanoid-esque robot that was under a contract with a corporation. Things were not great. Yes, as, an as a- automaton, if you like. Yeah. Um, conditions were not great and you did a daring escape possibly with a bunch of other sleepers as, uh, those in the, in the shell, the automatons come to be named. You, you find yourself on some kind of habitat space habitat 
Uh, you also have what in Jurassic Park Park lore would be the like lysine deficiency. The low is it lysine? Like, oh, the lysine. Oh, the good old lysine deficiency. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have a built-in. What are they? They call it planned obsolescence in this game. Uh, yes. Basically, your yeah. your shell is going to break down unless you get the corporate Monsanto esque uh, uh, specially engineered serum. Uh, yeah. So you need to get these Supplements, injections. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise you're going to you're going to fall apart and break down and your shell is going to go to pieces. Uh so that is how they protect their property from escaping or leaving. So, that sets you up. You're kind of um you got a lot of things going on as you set up in this visual novel. You have your on the run, you're on the lam, you don't want to be discovered. You need to figure out a way to get this serum to to keep yourself going. You're trying to run odd jobs. You're trying to figure out how to survive. You also have, of course, you have to eat food because that's another mechanic in the game. Fungus, specifically. Uh, And there's a bunch of other things going on. The mechanics for doing that are basically rolling dice uh, to to solve problems. You you have um, like a six-sided die. Some of these mechanics will sound kind of familiar for a lot of people who've played tabletop games, but I believe when you roll the dice, um, five to six is a success, three to four is neutral, one to two is a failure, and depending on what you're doing, there will be great reward or there'll be failure penalties. Neutral will sometimes negative result. Yeah, neutral will sometimes get you in a bit of both. So they do have classifications for the thing like this is a high risk. So the, the negative thing will be severe or this is safe. The negative thing isn't really going to do too much. So, and the thing that's kind of novel is the way that they sort of break out the dice roll stuff into different forms. Like, so not, there's not just regular dice. There are like color coded versions of the dice. So like a gold version is you will absolutely get a positive result. A one that is split between white and gold means you are more likely to get a positive result if it's a high die, more lo- more likely to get a negative if it's a low die. And then if it's white, it at best you're going to get a neutral result. Yeah. Um, and so the way the structure is broken out, you everything is done in cycles, which is essentially days. And you have a set number of dice to work with each day. And the number of dice you have to work with uh, is tied to your body's condition. So if your condition has deteriorated past a certain point, you only get like three to work with as opposed to the full five or six. Um, and that's mostly and, dictated by the the serum. And so yes. is that also dictated by the food, your your hunger status? That's, so hunger status will make you deteriorate faster if you okay. don't eat. Um, there's a separate energy level that you have to keep balanced. Um, and that's the thing that sort of like keeps you deteriorating at a normal rate as opposed to faster. Hmm. Um but so the other thing is that basically like they give you multiple ways to use dice. Like obviously there's the jobs, there's the character interactions and stuff, but there's also a whole hacking subset uh, where you're just kind of going around to different nodes on the station and you can actually, you have to find a dice that specifically matches to the thing you're hacking in order to do that. And a lot of those are lower number dice. So even if you run into a situation where it's like, Oh, I've got all these low die and I don't know what to do with them. You can kind of plug them into that, and that will at least progress something forward if you don't want to risk using them on, like, a higher-risk venture. And uh, coupled to this whole thing, there are numerous ticking clocks. Yes. So um, every time you 
move the day forward, you run it. We should say when you use a die, you use it. It's gone. So yeah, it's gone for the day. Yeah. So if you use it, it's gone for that day or in their parlance cycles. And every time you use it, go reset the cycle or do the next cycle, something usually ticks up. And that's some meter that's like a baddie is coming to get you or some unresolved thing is going to happen or a shop might close or move on or or something is going to happen that puts some time pressure on your choices that you're making because you can't do everything within a given day or cycle. So you do have to make choices. And I think those are the stress points in the game of, well, how should I be spending these four or five dice that I have? To should I resolve this thing that's going to run out, or should I get ahead of this thing, or should I just take the penalty on this thing that's going to run out, and I'll I'll worry about this other thing. And I, I find that to be really interesting so far. It, it feels broader than maybe it actually is. Yeah, it feels like the choices do actually kind of matter. Uh, I like I I I think this is the result of maybe me not finishing a thing the way I was supposed to or not. But I had one quest line that I think just closed out on me because I did was not successful enough in it. Mm. Like there was a guy. He's the first guy you meet in that game, the guy who starts letting you do salvage stuff around his place. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, I went and so every time you do stuff for a specific person or a specific location, there is also a meter there that is ticking up when you are successful. And that kind of gets you to the next progression point in whatever that quest line is. And I don't know what exactly what I did or didn't do, but when I got to a certain checkpoint, there's like, he was like, hey, so I'm going to give you your bonus. And you cannot come back here. Did you We're fail not, it too many times? Because there I don't, is- that's the thing. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but there was definitely a thing that was like at, at the end of it. They were like, "This thing is no longer available." Okay. Like there was something that was in my inventory or something that I was working on that is no longer available to me. And I, I'm wondering if it's either because I failed too many times or I did something in a in an order that did not result in you know thing like at a certain point he just decided to wash his hands of me because it was too much risk. Hard so to say. What I think probably happened, and I could be wrong, but there are. So it's kind of hard to explain. So it's, cause it's so visual, but um, I'll try my best. So as you're taking on those quests, it'll usually have one or two options to complete a a a, a segment or a quest line. One that because there are archetypes that you can do. So there are some RPG RPG elements of like you have more points in this stat. So they usually give you a couple of options depending there's three character classes you can choose from at the start yeah so they'll give you a couple that hopefully one suits your class better hey this is this is riskier for this class but not as risky for this class either way the point being they can funnel into a meter that will progress and fill up there's also usually a red meter and if that fills up that'll get rid of a quest but sometimes that just ticks over on a cycle so yes. there might, that thing might have been ticking up per cycle, and maybe you didn't see it ticking away in the bottom, yeah. and that just filled up, because that'll fill up if you get a negative result, usually. So mm-hmm. you can speed it up if you get a negative result, hence, you know, it's a risk I definitely reward. got a couple of negative results during the point of that quest line, yeah. so. Yeah, and it ticks up automatically, because I remember seeing it being like, oh, I should just finish this one out before it runs out, and I did finish that quest for that person. They call them drives in the, uh, in the parlance of the game, like, yeah. you, get, you get a new drive, uh, and so I did finish that one, and it opened up another quest for that person. Okay. So in the game, in Citizen Sleeper, you are essentially getting things like credits, because you have to use credits to buy stuff, like food or items, and there are a couple of recyclable quests that you can just keep doing as long as you have die, dice to use on it. 
you're uh, getting um, scraps, which you can sell. You're getting data points or data stuff, like Alex said, from this virtual you can trade world. with people or yeah. use for specific quest stuff. It's interesting. There are a couple of currencies and a couple of ways to spend your day. And at first, it seemed... I, it seemed maybe overwhelming, but they roll it out slowly enough where I think it's I think it's really approachable for the most part. I think the first 10 minutes were a little off-putting because it is a lot of reading and it is a sort of like you're kind of on that ticking clock before you really know what any of that stuff means. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it doesn't actually mean much at the top because they're not going to like lock you out of stuff in those like opening minutes. It's <laughs> once you kind of get into the meat of the thing after you've already kind of understood like how the dice and the cycles work that's when stuff starts getting a little more hectic. But, yeah. like, initially, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. And then as soon once I got, like, you know, about 15, 20 minutes into the story, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing here. I see how this is going to progress. Almost like Shades of Dead Rising to me <laughs> of, like, quests on timers, and you might not be able to get everything done, and you're going to get stuff locked out. And you'd, yeah. like, like I'd, you know, like with Dead Rising, you kind of have to just roll with what happens, right? Yeah, yes. and I mean, this not, is much more of just like a straight everything. narrative, so... Right. Also, I I thought the beginning of the game was, like, pretty engaging, surprisingly. Like, I am super not a visual novel guy. Yeah. I, I don't want to be all like, oh, if I want to just... If I want to read a story, I just go grab a book or whatever. But, like, I just... It's not really my thing. But I found the beginning of this, like, really well-written. Yeah, the writing is very good. Like, some it's really, good. really, like, nice... Uh, evocative turns of phrase and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's really, like, tweaking my... Like, my Soma sense was going off big time of, mm-hmm. like... Oh, you know, simulated consciousness in a robot body that used to be a human. Like, oh, great. Let's do this again. That's always like fertile ground for storytelling, right? Yeah. And they seem like they're playing around with it in some interesting ways. Like there's a character you meet uh, that I haven't gotten anywhere near the end of their quest line, I don't think. But the impression I'm getting is that there is a person whose brain is basically just inside a vending machine now because it was the only one they could only machine they could find that they couldn't could not be tracked into. Yeah, Yeah, I've I've done a bunch of that quest. It's actually... I, I think it's funny you bring that up. I think that is a really interesting piece of sci-fi that is related to that quest. Yeah. And a little little depressing in there, too. It's uh, all a little depressing. <laughs> like, everything that's happening in this game is at least a little depressing. But well done. Well done not, not traveling in too many cliches, which I have to applaud them because that's hard to do these days. They're picking the right cliches, the ones yeah. they are using. Uh, I, I like it so far. I, I think on the console... I, there are a couple of times I have felt I'm playing on the Xbox or a couple of times I really felt that I wanted to be on a computer. There yeah. Are a, co- a couple of times the UI wasn't moving the way I thought it should. Yeah. And navigating the UI just felt like if I had a mouse, this seems it would be a hell of a lot easier. A lot I, more I intuitive. The, yeah. Yes. I had the same experience on the Xbox. Uh, this feels like the kind of game that like if you had a steam deck, this would be an ideal way potentially to play it. But, uh, I like mouse and cursor. Just it seems clickable. Yeah. It seems like a very clickable game. Or dragging a dice from. I don't know how it works on the PC. I didn't play it there, but either way, stuff stuff didn't seem to be working the way I thought it was going to work. Especially when you're there was something about the bottom inventory, the data and uh, item thing at the bottom that just seemed kind of buggy. It's a little. It's weird. a little glitchy. And there was a thing where I would go. <laughs> there was one part. Not to say this detracts overall from the game, but. There's a part where you can put points into your character and um, it kept the overlay would be up, but it kept zooming into things that were on the map as I was clicking the button. You know what I mean? It would just ignore the overlay and it was processing the clicks for things that were on the map and eventually I had to back out and come back into the game. Yeah. Um, so not without some small problems, but I think the, presenta- the presentation is great. 
I think the the writing is fabulous. I think between great character art between this and Norco, there is some really great writing this year in in video games. Uh, that I, I'm gonna say it again. You shouldn't sleep on like it is, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you think you are not. Into They're gonna this. put that in the trailer, Vinny. Just I mean, they should have already probably. They don't need me to point this out. Don't sleep on this one. Uh, but they between those two games, if you if if you are not sure this genre is for you, if you have something like Game Pass, I'd say it's worth checking them out just because I th- I think they are exceptional in their space for for what they're doing. Or at least I shouldn't say that. They're, they grab they grab me in a way that a lot of these games tend not to. Yeah, that that's what I would say for me personally. I, I don't have the depth to know if they're exceptional in this space, so I really can't speak to that because I haven't played that many visual novels. But both of them have enough things going on aside from just really great writing. Norco with its adventure game stuff, Citizen Sleeper with its kind of what feels like powered by the apocalypse style um, interactions, like r- interesting dice mechanics in, in it and, and, and fail forward and all these things. Yeah. It's, I'll say it's a game that I never, I, I even after that, that quest line got locked out for me, I did not be like, all right, fuck it. I need to reload. I need to fix this. It's just like, no, nah, you know what? This is a game. I don't mind rolling with the failures and seeing where it goes from there. It's got a pretty steady thrum of autosave. So it is, it is not actually yeah. e- cause I did something where I thought the game glitched and I'm still not sure if it did where I maybe lost the thing and I checked the autosave and it had auto saved immediately. Like, yeah, y- you are not rolling back saves. But uh, the the character work is is pretty good. It's it, the writing though is is really fun. That's where it's at. Yeah, I it's think the, well the universe building is is fun as well. Uh, Citizen Sleeper out now. It is uh, again uh, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, and PC. I wonder. I mean, there's no reason this should not just be perfectly fine on a Nintendo Switch. Like. Yeah. Cannot I cannot see a reason. I you know yeah like I just saw an announcement today that fucking like totally accurate battle simulator is coming to Switch and I'm just like and <sighs> literally the headline was it wobbles its way onto Switch it's like that's not the word you want to use for a game that is very resource intensive for that kind of thing this is not that kind of game this is a no. game that feels like it should work fine on a Switch yeah. yeah yeah the only my again my only beef so far with it is. I think it's a very slick presentation and I think the UI looks very nice. I just feel like it doesn't function the way you would think the UI would function uh intuitively. So it's it's a little little clunky getting around sometimes. Like when you know when you're on a menu and you're like, Am I on this thing or am I not on this thing? It's mm-hmm. one of those one of those. Uh another game that came out in our twenty dollar video game uh showdown here. Mm-hmm. Salt and Sacrifice on the PlayStation and the PC, this one, not on Game Pass. This no. is uh, on PlayStation and PC. This one came out yesterday. Brad. It's a budget extravaganza. 20 bones. <laughs> <laughs> what? How is the... Uh, well, first, I guess we should start with Salt and Sanctuary. What is your... Uh, salt and, yeah, so Salt and Sacrifice is the sequel to Salt and Sanctuary, mm-hmm. which, not to be overly reductive, is 2D Dark Souls. Right. Okay. Uh, it's from Scott Studios, who did the Dishwasher and Charlie Murder and some other downloadables in that vein. They've got a, if you've seen their games, they've got a pretty characteristic, like hand drawn, hand painted kind of look to them. Not as it's much ska as you would maybe think, though. Not a lot of ska. Oh, hmm. uh, you know, like Charlie Murder, maybe had. Yeah, that, there's a know. little bit in there, but not as much for the namesake. Uh, this is extremely like souls in both format and mechanics and also just kind of feel and tone. 
Uh, I mean, if you played Salt and Sacrifice, you kind of know what this game is. It is it is 2D Dark Souls. I mean, being a 2D platformer, like the kind of Metroidvania aspects are a lot more prominent. Like in this, like five minutes after you beat the first boss, you start seeing grapple points everywhere for a grappling hook you don't have. Mm. And then shortly after you have a grappling hook <laughs> and then you can go to those places. Okay. It's that. Um, it's very familiar if you played the first one. Like it, it plays well, like that kind of combat maps well to uh, 2D, but it's it's full on that, you know, it's full on like dodging through bosses as they attack you because you have iframes in your in your dodge and can roll through them and hit them from behind, you know. So um, I, 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 I go back and forth on whether I played the first one or not. I, I there have been a lot of games that you could <laughs> charitably describe in a similar way. Yeah, kind of. I don't. I can't think of anything else that's done it this explicitly, though. I mean, this is really not yeah. making any illusions about this what one it is, is the most of that. I think. Um, I think my other issue is I. And this is on me and just my muddled game sense. I get the name of it mixed up: Salt and Sacrifice or Salt and Sanctuary, with uh, Slay the Spire, which is a mm, very different game. Very different. Yes. Game. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, I have seen, I know the game, uh, but I'm not sure I actually put hands on a controller, but it, you know, in one of those things of like a shared memory, it's like, Oh, I can, I can remember myself playing this. I'm like, I don't know did, if I actually you? did. I don't know if I actually did. Uh, did you, did you play through, did you want to finishing it or did you bounce off? I did the original the first one. No, I put yeah. several hours into it, maybe eight okay. hours or something. Like I, I liked it quite a bit, but I didn't quite, I mean, this was in a time when like, other Souls-ish knockoffs were starting to hit left mm-hmm. and right. Your Lords yes. of the Fallens and stuff like that. Oh, yes. Like oh, there boy. Was a, I forgot about that. There was a preponderance of From and From-like games out there. Yes. Uh, before the, I don't know. I, I liked Salt and Sanctuary quite a bit. but um, I know it was well-regarded. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this one, you, you start in like a, a Nexus-style village, you know, like a kind of home base, like a Souls thing. I don't think the first game had that. I hope I... Or maybe you get to one eventually. I don't remember that being in the first game. First game is much more just like, hey, here's a big wide open 2D area. Just wander and find stuff. But this one, very much after the tutorial, you are in a village with a bunch of NPCs who perform different services for you and stuff. Uh, and you like warp through this magic portal to the places where you kill stuff. There's an interesting thing around that portal where you have like a bucket of colored runes and you stick five runes in in sequence to kind of program your destination. Mm-hmm. It's almost like dialing up a destination for the portal. And if a character have to- has told you the sequence of runes for a place you need to go, it'll just be on a list. You know, you just pick, okay. pick like Ash, whatever village, and it'll have you just hit a button and it fills it in for you. But you can also put those, you can program the runes in manually yourself. Interesting. Okay. So it seems like there's a lot of potential in there for there to be like hidden locations that they don't spell out for you. But like maybe you'll slowly discover the sequence of runes you need to unlock like a hidden area or something like that. Right. It's a neat, it's a neat idea. Or like if you're, if you're paying attention to background art, you will see a rune right. sequence and totally stuff okay. like that. it's like, it almost feels like old school NES, like password yeah. style. It's only, it's only a five, a five digit kind of password system, mm. but there's like 15 runes or something like that. There's a bunch of different combinations. So like it's a, it's a neat kind of throwback idea to like, Oh, like, Dig up the Justin Bailey code and punch it in and you'll go to some wild, you know, post-game level or something. It's cool. Also, you pick a crime, like, you know, the character creator is Super Dark Souls, but, like, instead of picking a gift or something, you pick the crime that you committed. (laughs) Hell yeah. I forgot to change mine from the default, so I committed the grievous sin of forgery. My God. you're, You're done. Apparently... 
forging documents was enough to you're you're like a you're like a mage hunter you're some kind of inquisitor because you have committed some crime you've been banished to go kill mages uh it's neat and like after after a point the npcs in the village just start saying like okay here are some more mages you need to go kill <laughs> you could go this way or you could go this other way here's the stuff you need to do and there's like some investigative aspect hmm. to like tracking their victims or following their trail to figure out where they went uh, it seems cool. Like it, it just came out like hours before we are recording this, so I haven't played a ton of it yet. But do you know? Um, in the time you played, does it is, is it like a is it like a Souls really like a Souls game in that it's in the vibe of it, but not directly linear or connected? Like it sounds like it's in the universe with the the mages and everything like that. But is Salt and Sanctuary in the Salt and sacrifice. Is it a continuum? Do you need to like? Would you get anything from playing the first one to jump into the second? Is one? it a connected universe? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, all the trappings are there. Like instead of souls, you're picking up salt. Like you cash in salt to raise okay. your stats and stuff like that. Like all those trappings are the same. Okay. Um, I, yeah, it's hard, I, it's hard to say. You know, like the like Dark Souls games are. Of course, they're the same way, right? Where that's they what have I mean. A like ton of shared trappings, but they all take place in their own universes, or do they? <laughs> or do mm. they? Um, all right this seems cool like 20 bucks i mean there's a lot in there if you're if you're down for this but it and is seemingly if you like that first game like yeah, this probably it, will be in your wheelhouse it, it is pretty pretty similar at the base level to that first one uh but it's cool so this is on the playstation uh, uh family of systems and i think it's on epic, it's epic. only right epic now, right? game store i don't believe it's on steam yet okay on the epic game store i don't, I, I don't think you got into this but it says it has co-op you yes, you set you can that? set a like that's one of the NPCs or one of the like kiosks in the village is you can set like a summon sign kind of thing. Okay. That may be new actually. I don't know if the first game had multiplayer of any kind. Mm, yeah, I don't know enough about uh, it. But it's pretty say. prominent like I said, like on your way to that portal to go to different levels, there's a thing where you can just set like a like I want to be online. Here is my summon thing. Okay. Yeah. I never want to be online. Ska Studios Salt and sacrifice. Now I know what the salt means. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I was wondering. It's your soul's equivalent? Yes, my soul is salt. Um Okay, so Trek the Yomi Citizen Sleeper Salt and Sacrifice. Who said Alex, there aren't games coming out? I'd never it's true. Uh, Alex, you had an early access story you wanted to Oh share. yeah. I this is a brief thing. I just want to uh, uh, Brad Shoemaker Mm-hmm. noted uh, skeptic of, of early access and, <laughs> and bringing and, and, and investing himself in early access experiences. It has its place, you know? Yes. So I will just say uh, we, I was playing the Iron Oath, that, uh, that sort of mercenary management, a tactical RPG game uh, a couple weeks ago. I've still been playing it. In fact, I played a bunch of it this weekend. Uh, you were right. You were oh? right to, to I'm, have... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I don't think I quite heard you. you <laughs> Brad Shoemaker, you were correct. A little enunciates i hit a point in the story where uh they just uh, there isn't anymore there is a splash screen that comes up and it's just like (laughs) you have reached the end of this quest line for this Mm. uh for this early access build uh we will be adding more down the road you can still do these uh you know non-story repeatable quests if you want to but uh this this main story you are you have hit the ceiling my friend yeah i mean look you can appreciate the honesty right oh totally and the thing is very upfront hey there's no more game here if I had read the description ahead of time of what they were launching in early access with, I probably would have known this. But yeah, I mean, 
Yes, the exact same thing happened with Rogue Legacy 2 when they launched that in early access. I think it was only that... So, I mean, you guys watched me beat the boss of that first area. Yep. I believe that first area is all that was in the game when they launched it on early access. Like, I don't think there was literally anything to do after that. And, like, you know, I mean, you can only play through the same part of a game so many times, right? Yeah. And I've I've reached a point where it's, like, even doing the repeatable quests, it's like, ah, you know, I'm probably good until they add more story for now. But I'm still enjoying that game a lot. I'm just going to put it on. I'm putting it on the back burner until the next big update because, uh, you know, I don't want to burn myself out on just doing the same sort of escort quests over and over and over again. And embrace that 1.0 life. Yes. I mean, so I, I will play it when it's 1.0. That's for sure. So I think the, the bigger thing to look out for is, will you keep your saves in 1.0? Or will you I don't mind? Know I, I don't know if I'm really that going to be that, but it's not that much story that I did. I spent a lot of that time just kind of doing side stuff. Mm. There really aren't that many story quests in the, in the, the main thing that like, if I had to start over, which I don't think, I don't necessarily think you will have to, I, I, it's not always the indication, but I'm just saying, even if I did, I'd be all right. That (laughs) that stuff can bite you in all kinds of ways. You know, like I've, I've still got a backup of that Valheim server that we put all that work into about a year and change ago, Mm. like early last year, like, you know, Abby had like a palatial estate on that thing, you know, like yeah. there was some real work in that world. I don't know if it ever came to pass, but they definitely said at some point, like, like, Hey, we might break old world, uh, you know, old world, basically like server worlds mm-hmm. at some point, like a, an update may like the game may change enough at some point that your old world from your server will not be compatible anymore or something. Creator beware. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. It happens price uh, uh, the number of games st- that i play enough of in early access to where i even run into these problems is not that high so i tend to it, stick with the buildy games mm-hmm. or tear I, them down games i, I guess valheim yeah valheim was really good that game was was and is awesome i haven't played it man i should see if i can get that server up and running again i still had a bit of a problem with some of the combat stuff but um it was fun it was fun uh tooling around in that weird both beautiful and gross looking world mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a unique it was a unique thing i wonder how it's doing i think i think they just announced they passed 10 million sold i believe was the last that's headline a, that's a good number not so long ago yeah they did yeah. pretty well for themselves i don't know where it's at right now i don't know those things i like those stories of things that start off incredibly small and then reach ridiculous proportions but then hopefully come out to 1.0 good wheel it looks like we they hope. just they just launched the Mistlands update a few days ago. Mm. Whatever that might be. Misty Land is what I'm going to guess. Mm-hmm. Fog. Yeah, these screenshots are pretty foggy. Call me when they uh, launch the Pissed Land. Uh, I'll, Starring I'll, John Goodman. I'll, 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 I'll call you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you. Let's get, make sure I get, get your number. Okay. All, all right. We're going to... Uh, Uh, Move on to the news, but first we're going to take another break, so stick around, and we'll be right back. Folks, the news this week. There is some. It's a little weird. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. 
You're gonna put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. <laughs> ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just use ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet, let's say. Yeah. What are you doing on that vacation there? I was. I had to access my GitHub account, uh -huh. and I was doing yes. some coding, and then sure. I, I used my ExpressVPN, and then VPNed into my home computer! Likely story. Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's That's fast That's what enough. they all it's say. It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi. And they didn't know it. they didn't know a damn thing. It says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN expressvpn.com slash nextlander. Thanks, ExpressVPN. And we're back, and it is time for the news. Video game news sometimes gets weird. Sometimes the real world and the video game world combine in weird nados. Weird tornadoes that uh, suck you in and blow the roof off. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with my other one. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> Not that kind of football. Hmm. Okay. Are you ready for some soccer? Soccer. I mean, no, but... Okay. How about, how about footy? You got any footy? Are you ready for some footy? The beautiful yes. game? Yes. Now Are you ready for some FIFA? The now beautiful billion-dollar franchise? Now you're speaking <laughs> What is going on with uh, FIFA, FIFA and EA? So I, I think I, we. Why, why? Why? I don't know why this looks so much more dramatic in this New York Times headline. <laughs> it's Everything the italics does. that they use. There's something. Should we just read this headline? FIFA read and EA Sports and decades-long video game partnership. Man, mm. did not see that one coming. Was this known that this, uh, that there was, this was on the rocks? I think we may have briefly touched on this in an earlier podcast, but not to any great extent. Um, but there was an ongoing negotiation between uh, FIFA, the uh, governing body of a lot of the world of football mm -hmm. in every other country besides this one, uh, and uh, the electronic arts makers of the FIFA video games. And the the word that had been coming out was that those negotiations were hitting the rocks because they were pretty far apart in terms of like what the organization wanted what EA wanted uh and now it is dead it's dead they are not going and starting summer of next year they added a slight extension to their existing 10 year deal uh that will run through next summer uh the women's world cup is next next summer and then once that is over with uh, Electronic Arts will continue to make football games. Uh huh. Uh, but they will be doing it under the name EA Sports FC. Mm. Do we know what the FC stands for? Is that football like football club? club? Yeah, okay. football club. That's what every FC in football stands for. Okay. 
Is that uh, fucking Shorshims? Uh, okay. No, you know, I don't think that's where EA is at politically hey, these days. It, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, a couple things here. One, uh, this is an extremely lucrative it's, for, dude, like partnership. It's nuts, man. Or like, was. This, like, was. I mean, FIFA, FIFA is the biggest thing EA has going, right? I don't know of anything bigger. No, I mean, I think the closest analog is something like Madden, but even that has, like, much less, like, international uh, right. appeal, obviously. This like, story like, quotes just, it at 20 billion over the last 20 years. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, you just, you hear about the Ultimate Team stuff in Europe just, like, printing money. I mean, it's just ludicrous. Yeah, even before the Ultimate Team stuff, it was very, very, like, profitable. But then once they started doing the microtransaction stuff and, like, kind of building out the Ultimate Team is kind of the, the marquee feature in those games, uh, the amount of money they were making was staggering, which makes this whole thing so bizarre, but also kind of emblematic of the way these incredibly lucrative partnerships tend to go once people start realizing they want a bigger piece of the pie. Well, so, and, also, and also an organization like FIFA is run the way that it is. Yeah, so the guy who's currently in charge, Gianni Infantino, uh, he was brought in amid the 2015 corruption scandals that were plaguing FIFA. And you might be asking which corruption scandals you're talking about because they're always having them. Those were the big ones, I think. Mm. But yes, he is. I think even his administration has not been immune to you know accusations of various kinds of corruption. And so what they wanted was, is from what I understand, they wanted two things. They wanted a doubling of what EA paid them year to year, which in the previous deal was $150 million a year. So basically they wanted $300 million a year just in licensing. And then they also wanted the ability to license out FIFA to other things, I think most notably mobile products, uh, but also they were even talking about possibly other video games, which EA extremely balked at because that is mm. not how EA does their stuff. So like a non-exclusive. They wanted FIFA they wanted non-exclusivity. I think FIFA still would have been the marquee like console and PC product, mm -hmm. but they wanted the the ability to license out to other things. Mm -hmm. And they EA was not having that. So they've walked away. EA is going to make their FC their EA uh, FC uh, football club game in this story on the New York Times mm -hmm. uh Gianni says, I, I, know what you're, I know quote. what you're about to quote. This is an incredible quote. <laughs> the I can assure you that the only authentic real game that has the FIFA name will be the best one available for gamers and football fans. The FIFA name is the only global original title. Okay, now read that in Donald Trump's voice. No, I will not. I okay, no, don't actually do that. I'm just saying, like, that's what that is a straight up Trumpian sounding quote. Uh, Ray's original FIFA. Is this, this is the only one you want? You want? You don't want? You don't want uh, EA's FIFA. You want Ray's original FIFA? That's the one. Fame. Ray's famous original FIFA yes. is the only one. That's the good one. Uh, I mean, this, this, this this other statement that they put out. Did the, I'm I'm trying to make sure. I mean, it, screenshots of this were getting passed around on Twitter. I don't see a link to it. I think this was a statement directly from. Uh, we don't need to get into it. There's there's a lot more of that kind of language floating around. Out yes, there definitely. The like the organization, the larger statement to this thing is is kind of insane. Also, I did not realize until I dug in a little bit that this is the same dude who was like justifying all those people that like died constructing the the stadium. Oh, in guitar for the for for the World Cup and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like hand waved away all of the. Yeah, man. 
Look, FIFA is a horrible organization. No. Like even among you know the professional sports world, which is riddled with horrible organizations, FIFA is you know way up there in terms of like. I think they might be number one. It's certainly in terms of scale of fuck upness, but yeah. But that's the well, thing is that like you know that was never going to be a sticking point for EA. If the money had been right and the exclusivity had been right, they never would have balked at the idea of continuing to work with FIFA because there's too much money to be made. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised how little this is actually going to impact the product. I mean, it's quite literally just the name on the box because all of, I mean, this sort of burying the business lead here. Like, yeah, they lose the EA, World Cup branding, but not much else. Right, like EA already makes a, like uh, uh, individual licensing agreements with all the different football clubs and players. So like they're yes. not using any of the lineup in the game. It's literally just the name on the box, which like. That's important. That's granted, important to know. Yeah, like granted, you don't want to lose the branding on your most popular product that's been around for two decades, right? Like, yeah, like there is absolutely a lot of brand familiarity there that you rely on, but it does. That, that's a super important point. Like the right, the rosters and the players might still be there, and the club names might still be there, but brand confusion in the marketplace. If there is a new FIFA game, because EA just called that thing FIFA, you know, FIFA twenty nineteen could be really tough so if you know they went out and got U ubisoft to make a fifa game and it also just said fifa on it that could be it that yeah. harvest moon natsume well, stuff still right. still sure. causes problems yeah. yeah i mean you know it's gonna take some years for them to find a partner and spin up a new franchise especially one that's worth a shit because you yeah. see the first game or two not being so great so like ea still has plenty of time to kind of re-educate fifa fans on what's going on like, I'm pretty sure they could do the, you know, the mobile market splash that they want to do pretty easy. There's enough, like, you know, unlicensed football games out there that I'm sure that they could just partner up with someone. But, like, on a console scale, like, doing something at a FIFA scale, there aren't a lot of people you can go to. Where's winning 11? Where are we? Where well, is so winning that, 11? That's what I was going to bandy out here, because, like, okay, so 2K is probably a non-starter, because the second they tried to pick up another thing, which was the WWE games, that started, all that shit started kind of falling apart, and I'm not sure that they're in a great position to take on yet another sports franchise. Other than that, it's Konami, and Konami, I think, is still doing some kind of soccer thing. That is not winning 11. Yes, e no. It, so it is. It isn't. It is and it isn't. Okay. The last one just came out last September. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, from what I'm reading, I think it's still winning 11 in Japan. Okay. It used to be Pro Evolution Soccer or Pro Evo. Yes. Mm -hmm. Apparently they have rebranded in the West to eFootball. <laughs> eFootball. <laughs> I don't e believe that the recent eFootballs have been particularly well received. eFootball 2022 came out last September. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I don't. I mean, I mean, look, maybe with more money and resources, Konami could actually spin up something that will like you know compete. I don't know. I don't maybe, even know I where mean, Konami is these days. Like the you know FIFA could roll in and slap the FIFA name on whatever Konami's got going on, but I don't know how much value there is in that if they don't already like. Assuming these other licensing agreements EA has are exclusive already, you know, unless yeah, unless these clubs are also going to go out and license with the Konami game. I don't know how much value there is in a FIFA product without any real players in it. And that's the thing is that also once by the time they actually establish this partnership and get a game going, EA F Sports FC will have probably at least a couple of iterations under right. its belt. So yeah. the brand confusion actually probably won't have happened because for two years, at least they would have still been the only big football console game coming out. 
bananas, uh, billionaires in a in a slap fight again, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Whoever wins, no one wins. <laughs> we don't think- really lose because we're not actually impacted by this, but uh, there's no winners here. It's just a lot of yes, lot I of mean, ties. The, the major players are Andrew Wilson and FIFA guy. So yeah. Do you think? Do you think it's just like? I mean, they can't say the word FIFA, obviously, but EA on the digital side is going to get their stuff on PlayStations in a digital marketplace and can pay for putting up giant pictures of soccer players. Yes. And maybe, maybe the text isn't as big. Yeah. You, you know, know, like you, you put, put the player faces and the club logos right. front and center. Like you probably give a pretty damn similar font treatment to whatever logo you've got, that kind of thing. Like, right. You can, you can probably sell the continuity pretty easily there. Also, you put some kind of custom logo editor in there and let people mess with arenas and other things, and it's like that FIFA logo is right back in there in, in five minutes after that game comes out. Maybe you do something, since their name of their game is FC, where it's FC, and then underneath is like is, and then underneath is like football absolute, right? So then mm-hmm. along the column, it says like, Oh, oh! Does it say FIFA? I don't. Oh, geez, I didn't even notice that. No, it says football. The FC is football absolutism or something. I don't I know. Have a stern talk with our marketing internally. Jeez, <laughs> mm-hmm. I will go talk to somebody. Boy, and that's on the front page, huh? Boy, that's probably confusing. We'll get right on that. Uh, there, I think EA will be fine. Oh yeah, they'll be fine. I'll be fine. FIFA. EA's who knows next week we'll be talking about it how uh, uh, Disney bought EA and FIFA and wow we're just coming right back together again also Spider-Man's in it Didn't wow that, yeah no, finally finally they can put Wolverine and FIFA after all this time <laughs> that's right so like folks I don't have the energy to do it anymore like no. it's we're like a hot second away from somebody just buying both of these companies and being like oh I guess there there's that problem solved uh, it's I Consolidation, joke, gotta love it. But I yeah. don't joke. Let's move on to our next story here. Mm-hmm, uh, speaking, of, speaking, um, of, speaking of slap fights. Yeah. Uh, news, news of the weird, yes. Man, I feel like and, the, uh, the drama is starting to bury the historical aspect of this thing now. Let's start with the historical aspect before we get to the drama. The 2001 build of Duke Nukem Forever is out and on my hard drive. Okay. That's the news. Is it? You sure you want to put that out there, man? Somebody, uh, no, it's, it's sitting there on archive.org. Yeah, it's just out there. The, the people who were in, most in the position to care about this in terms of it not being cool to do this, mm-hmm. have, have, they've said plenty in public, but none of it was about like, hey, you really shouldn't download that. Like They don't seem mm. to give a shit. Like, the most they've said is like, yeah, just manage your expectations. It's not that much of a game. Well, uh so yeah, so the, we, should, is, we should probably say also Gearbox and by extension, I guess Embracer have the current Duke Nukem license. Yeah, Gearbox yes. owns the Duke Nukem property now. I don't right. know that they have any ownership over this work. Okay, no, this is this is all 3D Realm stuff from back when they, they were may. still working we, on it. We don't know for a fact, but I, I, we certainly don't know that they do. But this is uh, this like, is about this is fucking 2001 crazy. nonsense. This is crazy, man. What you yeah. got? 
Like, I mean, do I need to tell the story? Like, I don't know. Like, are we, are we, are we old enough thing, now that I need to say Duke Nukem Forever is like the most infamous <laughs> vaporware project in the history of anything? Yeah, it's way up there. You know, it took forever to come out. And that was even before, you know, Gearbox kind of stepped in. It had years and years of built up cruft around it of just starts and stops and engine changes. And the other side of that was that there was also a source code leak at one point. Was there not? I'm not sure about that you oh you know what Half-Life? no i'm sorry i'm conflating that with something else but yeah half-life, half-life, two, the, half-life yeah. 2 source code leaks yeah that's what i was complaining somewhere with. around yeah. this time like around 2003 um yeah i mean I, I i assume everybody knows at least the broad strokes of the story that you can 3d was a really big deal in 1996 <laughs> and then they seemed to think that they really needed to top that and then set about never shipping this game and hyping it constantly et cetera, et cetera. Years. Uh, anyway, this is a build. Uh, this is a build of the game as it existed around 2001 when they were. They kind of made a big splash at E3 with a new trailer. They had moved to the Unreal Engine, so like this is not even the first build of this game because they started on, I believe, the Quake Two engine, Quake One, Quake Two, somewhere around there. So even this, this like I remember at the time, like oh Duke Duke Forever's moving to Unreal. It was like a big deal. Uh, so there, <laughs> there is an even older version of this game that runs on Quake that is still buried out there somewhere, but. Mm. Uh, like the morning this happened, like at first a bunch of screens and video leaked from whoever has this build. And they were saying like, ah, maybe in June, like come back in a month and I, I'm you, maybe you'll find the build. And then like a day or two later, they were like, ah, fuck it. Here it is. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but even when this leaked, like I was talking to like, like Patrick Klepek was also like covering games. We were both going to E3 in this period and like. The screenshots coming out of this thing were like, holy shit, man. Like, I haven't seen that miner with the big belt buckle and the the handkerchief or like the cop with the tentacle coming out of his face. Like, like, the, like this game was hyped and promoted so fucking much that all those all the media out of this thing was just like, oh, my God, like that is a, a long lost version of this game that you saw over and over and over. Yeah. As, as people salivated over this thing. So like for this build, and it's a very incomplete build, like it's not by any means a full game but parts of it are playable. Like weapons are in there. There's like, you know, a lot of fairly completed level designs and stuff. Like it's just, is a wild piece of preservation to actually have access to what this game was at this point in time. Kind of a, kind of a nice, beautiful story of, of an old piece of, of software that it's nice. And everybody's, yeah, everyone's happy. Kind of celebrating it yeah, being yes. out there too. All the people involved are like sort of patting each other on the back, going That's like, "Oh, great. This, this can finally story get out friendship. there now." Yes. Yeah, like uh, it didn't it didn't just go into the dustbin of history. We can kind of uh, have this great. I'm, I like when stories end nicely. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I so the other side of this coin. I, st- I still want to mess with this thing. I it's, it seems like getting it running is maybe a bit of a chore. But anyway, uh, like I said. People involved, like Scott Miller, who was the head of Apogee, and I guess is now again the head of Apogee because they have kind of relaunched the company, but like Apogee was 3D Realms publisher way back when. Like if you were playing a lot of PC shareware in the 90s, you saw <laughs> the names Apogee and Scott Miller all over the damn place. <laughs> like he <laughs> he put out, a, well, first of all, George Broussard, who's the actual creator, co-creator of Duke Nukem, tweeted after this leak, like, yeah, that looks legit. I have no idea how they got it. Keep your expectations low. It's not a complete game. Then Scott Miller comes along and puts up a post on the Apogee dev blog, the truth about DNF. <laughs> like, 
I don't think anything in this blog post is like a, a massive surprise. Like it's all stuff that was known or at least suspected already. Heavily alluded to. But he is like super blunt about DNF is the game that destroyed 3D Realms and ended up getting the company sold to an investor in Denmark where it's still based. Hmm. While our games like Max Payne and Prey were keeping the company afloat, DNF was a constant money pit for the company and eventually killed the original 3D Realms and Apogee. <laughs> We and wanted to give the game to High Voltage originally. No, uh, um, no, Digital Extremes. Digital Extremes, yeah. They wanted to give yes. it to Digital Extremes, I, and I don't, I don't we were vetoed that, internally. I don't know if this. I don't know if that was ever known or not that they were trying to... It may have gotten reported at some point. They tried yeah. to shift development externally to Digital Extremes in 2004, which, like, think about 2004, you know? Like, yeah. Doom 3 came out in 03. Half-Life 2 came out in 04. Like, like shooters had moved on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of the story that you heard even back in the day, and especially what he's saying here is that there was, like, there was nonstop feature and tech creep in this game because, like, every time a new engine licensor came online, somebody at 3D Realms was like, oh, well, we got to get on that tech. And so they shut down and restarted development yet again to change engines yet again. Like, they just could not commit to a game and get it done and out the door. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, by 2004, I mean, again, like, look at what else is going on in the PC space at that time. It's like this thing is just an albatross around your neck if you're <laughs> Apogee at this point. Like, let's just and, fucking ship this thing off to Wisconsin or wherever Digital yeah, Extremes and, is and get it done. And not even, uh, boy, I wonder if things would have gone different for Digital Extremes. Like, does Warframe ever happen if this ever happens? Uh, but, you know, they would have done the contract work and the game would have done whatever mm. it did and then they would have moved on to the next thing. Yeah. So, which so it's which fun- I guess in their case was Dark Sector. Who knows if <laughs> maybe Dark Sector doesn't happen in a world where they took on Duke Nukem forever. I don't know. The the uh, the, the part of what you're talking about time period wise is like not enough time had passed where people were like, oh, Duke Nukem, that'd be cool if that came out. It was in that area of like, ah, I think this is not coming out. Duke Nukem might be dead. You know, when you come back to where Gearbox finally publishes Duke Nukem, it had become a spectacle. But at this yeah, point, for it's, sure. it's I mean, still in the kind of like, is it happening or no? Yeah, you know, this is this is like, this is still in the era where Wired was doing their annual like ranking of vaporware, and I think they <laughs> eventually disqualified Duke Nukem forever. I mean, it just literally became like the, the Duke Nukem forever memorial ranking of vaporware. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we, can't just, we can't just keep giving this thing number one every year like we've got to anyway um, I don't know it's weird looking back on this because like when did actually when did the game actually ship was it 2011 right yes I think that's right let me just double check maybe 2012 like, at the latest uh, yeah it was 2011 um, okay. like the, the period between 2004 and 2011 in my mind is there like looking back doesn't feel like it's that long mm. but at the time like it felt like an eternity it felt like you had been hearing about this game since you were a small child, like I'm, the specter of Duke forever had just yeah. been there forever, you know? Um, anyway, you also left uh, out the detail here of George Broussard's response to yeah, like, this. That blog just post. happened like last night, I think, uh, or yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Like fucking George came out and basically just started talking all kinds of shit about Scott Miller on Twitter. Scott's a clueless narcissist whose actions are what led to the gearbox suits and friction that led to us losing 3d realms on the Duke IP. Uh, not surprising due to his depth of manipulation and narcissism. At least I've had the class to keep thoughts private. First of all, George, you don't get to use the word class. You made Duke Nukem. Come on, man. To 
That's a fair point. This is know. fucking embarrassing. Yeah, like, like for a whole really... multitude of reasons. Like, one, guys, you spent over a decade trying to make a 10-hour dick joke, and you couldn't do it because you couldn't decide how good the dick joke needed to look. You couldn't find yeah. the engine to render the dick joke the way you wanted. Yeah, I think it's probably a little more complicated than that. I mean, like, yes, obviously. You know, let's say I don't know that they ever had ambitions beyond the dick jokes they had. Let me put it no. on on the humor front. But like you, those balls of steel need to be cur- actually curved. I, I, I think that was I think they had hit their ceiling on the quality of their yeah. writing. Um, but but the other side but, of this is that you guys are not built for this kind of online feuding drama you're too old for this shit well i mean it's also really i mean dude george you were the head of the project like i don't know that you can come out swinging here no the guy steering the direction of the game like do i believe that there's probably a fair amount of blame to spread around just beyond george sure yeah i could see that but like no one needs these guys out there talking shit about each other in public no one care no one needs to care about this I mean, I don't know. Looking back, I think the reason they could never commit and just ship a game is that, like, when you look at Duke Nukem 3D's place in the kind of shooter mm-hmm. pantheon, like, it was not as important as Doom or Quake, but, like, it was, like, pretty heavily lauded at the time for some of the stuff it did. You know, like, it was not the first game to have looking up and down, but, like, it did have that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it had, like, super, inter- like, by the standards of the time, like, the environments were, like, ridiculously interactive, you know, like, like mirrors that worked and you could flush all the toilets and pool tables. Pool tables, yeah, like you could play pool with your pistol, and like that was fucking mind blowing at the time. And like they also had that really wild lineup of weird weapons, you know. It's like, oh, you can shrink people and freeze mm-hmm. them, and like, you know, every other game was just like, here's your shotgun and here's your chainsaw, you know. Like that game had a lot of ideas that were not as important as like the stuff that Quake went on to do, but like, I think they basked in it for a little while, you know. Mm-hmm. I think like yeah. Duke 3D was like the hot shit on the shooter block for a minute. And I think they really like felt the glow of that stuff. And they were like, well, we got to top that. Like we got to top everybody next time. You know, like that's my, my guess, my kind of gut feeling was always like, all right, they're like feeling some of the history around Duke 3d and they really want to like come out and do something better next time. Except what is the next better thing? Nobody quite knows. Right. Like they were like, they were chasing something they could never quite put together. I think. And again, all of this in service of Duke Nukem. Which, again, yeah, like you said, there were yes. things in Duke Nukem 3D that were certainly, you know, worthwhile and, and notable for their time. But there is no video game franchise on this earth short of Leisure Suit Larry that has aged worse in the ensuing decades. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. It was extremely 90s. But even in that, um, even in that original uh, Scott Miller write up. He never names. I mean, I know he's the head of the, of the company at the time, but he never names George Bassard personally. I'll say again, and the word internally is doing a ton of heavy lifting in that <laughs> yeah, statement. Yeah. I, I mean, there so. were, you know, there were probably other decision makers involved there. I don't think it was all entirely Broussard, but yeah, probably quite a bit. Well, anyway, it's awesome that this is out there. I mean, like you can go find footage of it. If you just want to see what it looks like. I mean, it looks like a, it looks like a 90s ass Unreal Engine 1 shooter. Like, it looks like yep. a very fast-paced one of those. It's you know really what this needs? What's that? I, just gotta, I, I want to hear John St. John's opinion on all hmm. this. Just, uh, 
really gotta really get in there and kind of add a little bit more into the mix and stir it up a little bit what is he up to lately someone will pay him to read these tweets and this blog post in the duke voice uh is this even real this is, is this really real what apparently his next project is playing a character named john dude bro in a game called dude bro 2 ah, that's it i'm done i'm I out can't be i think oh, i remember dude bro right as a thing. i remember dude bro okay never mind that game was like a joke that became a game remember this unless it's the dude, opposite of what duke Nukem was a game that became a joke Remember, remember, dude, bro, my shit is fucked up, so I got to shoot slash slice you two. It's straight up dog time. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? Well, oh, that did tri- like trigger that. some kind of sense memory in me, yes. <laughs> uh, when was that? I don't remember when that it was. It was a while ago. Yeah, anyway. John St. John mm. did a bunch of Dota voices. Oh, really? I mean, oh, look, yeah. voice acting is great. You can, you can oh, do yeah. a lot of work in a year. He is very recognizably axe in Dota. Like, he did several others that are not as easy to tell, but... Guy's got some range. Um. Anyway, apparently in 2019, he did the, a voice in Postal Four. No regrets. I didn't know there was a Postal mm, Four. Oh yes, there. Yes. Okay. You're better off. And uh, in uh, 2019, also he became an ordained minister in Camaria. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Not you, gotta, you gotta you gotta follow your calling. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All I right. want the inside scoop from John St. John. <laughs> what, what's really happening here? Give me the real dirt. Give me the, yeah, let me know. Uh, that's a shame. Nobody likes to see people fight, but um, mm. fi- fi- is this finally mm. it, Brad? Is this, has Duke Nukem Forever finally now released? Is this the bow on the whole story? Yeah. Is this, can we, is it no longer vaporware? I, I, I would love for whatever work was done on the Quake 2 engine to also come out at this point just for completeness. Uh-oh. That would be cool too, but I think this is like, this is probably the canonical like game that never was like this version. <laughs> this version is the one probably that got the most hype around it. Yeah. Or was the most tangible, I would say. Uh, it's it's cool that this happened. Yeah, it's great that this is out there and, and for pre- preservation's sake, like there is a version of this people can point to and be like, this is where that game was at at that time. Yeah, mm. let's all just be civil about it. Shall yeah, we? Come just on. like Duke Nukem would. Uh, all right, moving on here. We're not, speaking of games that might get announced and never come out, hmm. we've got, uh, uh, E3 might not be here, but we certainly have more announcements coming this summer, including Summer Games Fest. And yeah. now we have uh, a little bit more information. June 9th? June 9th. June 9th, which I think is the Thursday before the Sunday that the Xbox showcase is. That is correct. So, hey, people that were missing their week of live streams for E3, it looks like they are to some extent trying to recreate that. I mean, who knows if anybody else will announce a stream like right in this window or like, Oh, two weeks later, here is a Sony thing or something or a month later. I don't know. But anyway, Jeff Keighley doing his thing on the ninth. And then that Xbox thing we have talked about before on the 12th. So yeah, big old grip video game news there in early June. Uh, I'm sorry. The Xbox and Bethesda show. Mm-hmm. Brad. Yes. Please. Get the brand. Get the brand. You know how it is. <laughs> I know how it looks. They're throwing Bethesda a bone there, but uh, so, um, something interesting: the Summer Games Fest. Remember, Xbox and Bethesda showcase happening pretty much right after. 
uh, Summer Games Fest also having a Day of the Devs, which will be presented by I Am Ape It mm-hmm. and Double Fine. Yeah. Yeah, they've been now, doing Day of the Devs for... Now owned by Microsoft. For, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, which will then be doing their press conference, or their showcase. Yeah. I think Double Fine presents anything at the Xbox One. I, I say doubt no. it. I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. I, I highly I doubt it. There. Unless, I think we might have said this before, unless they've had some like Amnesia Fortnite-style thing going on where like some small projects may have happened that they or could show. Or some sort of like Psychonauts 2 like, like add-on DLC. thing. Or yeah, maybe, maybe DLC or something. Birthed like, out. Uh, like a studio-wide next project. I think it's way too soon. Yeah. Too soon. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm genuinely very, very, very curious what a full Double Fine under Microsoft project scope even looks like. Right. You know, they, they were working on such a small scale for a while. Obviously, Psychonauts 2, a very big one. Uh, but you know, a lot of their stuff was smaller and I wonder if they keep on making smaller things or they just move into full on gigantic triple A zone again. Uh, curious. Maybe they'll make the next halo. Who knows? Finally, halo is funny. Uh, this is what it needs. Uh, this one was interesting, uh, on the heels of the Xbox slash Bethesda, the streaming thing. Uh, Brad, what else is Microsoft or Xbox? planning on launching yeah i I threw this in here because like if this is true then it's like guaranteed to be at that xbox showcase Mm. internet gamesman reporter news hound jeff grubb uh is saying that xbox is gonna sell a like set-top box a streaming puck is the phrase he uses which i'm not sure is that that official terminology for those sorts of things i don't know how i feel about that language (laughs) yeah about streaming pucks (laughs) i don't know Mm. Um, I mean, he mentioned that this is like not hard to imagine at all. Like he mentions it probably will be similar to like an Amazon fire stick or perhaps a Roku. Mm-hmm. So it's, or, you know, maybe a Chromecast or something like that. It's either something you'll plug into the back of the TV and never see, or it'll be a tiny little like Apple TV style box, but it's there to enable streaming yep. game streaming. Game like, streaming. You will be able to get this thing and a, an Xbox controller and sync them and stream the fine library of xCloud games to it. Uh, unless you have a Samsung TV, in which case they are also just coming up with an app. I mean, this is again, this is all, all of this was like inevitable. Like it's just, mm-hmm. you know, this was just going to happen, but to see it confirmed, like it kind of gives us some sense of what the timing will be with all this fake E3 stuff going on. Wait, uh, is the app only going to be on Samsung TVs? That's what this says. Yes. Huh. Okay. That they are uh, you know, that's initial stuff. Currently yeah. working with their Samsung partners to develop an app. Like, yes, that would proliferate to other TVs inevitably. I'm sure. Uh, but I don't know. This is, you know, this potentially a pretty big deal for like xCloud to become the thing that Stadia could not. Yeah, seriously. Uh, uh, I think that's, I think that's really interesting, especially if the xCloud stuff fully featured and a will let you stream outside the house, B let you stream from within your, you know, serves your games to a different TV inside the house. It's neat. It's great. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, this, I, I'd be into it. This is a needed part of their ecosystem for what they are clearly building. Yeah. Not, not hard to imagine somebody at Microsoft coming out on that stream with like the thing in their hand going like, you can play any, anything that Xbox can stream. You can now play on this. Yeah. Yep. We'll, uh, have like, to, here's a $99 thing. We will have to keep an eye out though. I'm sure we will not see any TV bezels in a digital presentation of Microsoft's press conference, but, Keep an eye out on those TV bezels if you see them in any shots, if they are all Samsung TVs uh, during that presentation, you'll probably know that some announcement is coming towards the end. Yes. So, like, again, it's all going to be digital clips. 
they're not going to show a TV probably. No. <laughs> no. 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 Um, <laughs> what's, this one also, uh, this one was silly. Uh, Brad, this Mass Effect story. Yeah, I kind of don't even want to talk about this now that they've come out with their denials. Like, I just want to move on and not even like, entertain. Are they telling the truth or not? The revisionist revisionist like, Mass Effect taglines? Some some kind of lithograph went up on the Bioware store, and the web description said, well, it's for, I don't know if it's not like Mass Effect 4 branded necessarily. I think it's like a... I think it might just say Mass Effect. Anyway, I mean, whatever. Inherently, anything they're doing with Mass Effect is to promote Mass Effect 4 at this point. Right. Anyway, the, the web description for this product said, while Shepard and the survivors are left to pick up the pieces, fans are left wondering what's next. And like, mm-hmm. huh? it's the million Who? dollar question about Mass Effect. The next one is, are they going to try to dredge up Shepard's corpse and reanimate it? Shepard. Or not, which they extremely should not. But no, they uh-huh. should not. Anyway, that's what this implied was happening. And then everybody went, oh, my God, look at this. They changed it. They're doing the thing. They're, they're trying to hide it, but that's what they're doing. And then Mike Gamble from Bioware just came out and was like, that was a mistake. It's been fixed. This is why you do not task people who are not up on what your direction for the game is. Write your ad copy in any way, shape or form. Unless that's exactly what they're doing and they're just running cover for that, you know? Yeah, like, but I would also imagine if they were briefed in those meetings, they would have said, do not under any circumstances tell people which who the protagonist is. Nah, you know, lines of communication break down like things I could I could totally see getting that far from the Bioware core down to like people writing copy for merch. Yeah, might not, I mean, might I, not have gotten the memo. I don't know. He said we say that, you know, written by people who run the store and aren't familiar with the game. Yes, I mean, but of course they would say that if they were trying to keep this a secret for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Like, like I said, we should. It's, it's not even worth like spending too much time going. Like, is he actually telling the truth or not? But like, especially considering we're a decade from this game actually coming out. So yes, I mean yes. All the clues are in Andromeda. Uh, if you if you're looking mm-hmm. hard enough. No, they were in the DLC, which we never got to see. Oh well, I'll ask some people to release that in ten years, and hopefully we can have yeah. a big fight over. No, actually, twenty years. Yeah. We're gonna have a big fight over what Andromeda could have been. Somehow, yeah. George Broussard will also be in on that <laughs> argument. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll believe this when I see it because, like, after all of the misses that Bioware has had in the last few years, like, if you told me that they were just panicking and going straight fan service out of this game, top to bottom, I would. Oh yeah, I believe it. Hundred percent. It. Yeah, there's also a chance that hey, by the time this comes out, Shepard wasn't in it, and then by the time this thing makes it out the door, Shepard is back in it, and mm-hmm. everybody was telling the truth the whole time. You know, there's uh, yeah. Tell me about the Shepard. Yeah. Okay, finally. How about, how about another tale of the Reggie? Yes, finally. Tell me I, about. I understand you guys uh, may have some special insight into the way that he does business. Uh, he does not appreciate that friends are not grateful mm-hmm. uh, for all the hard work That's and so, is, yes. a, so is, is just vengeful and vindictive. Man, like Reggie, Reggie wrote a book, mm-hmm. which is out. And I mean, Reggie been, wrote the book, man. There's been this drip feed of passages and anecdotes from his book coming out week by week recently. Uh-huh. I don't know why this is the one that I finally decided to put in here. Former Nintendo of America boss Reggie secretly, quote, hated Donkey Konga. Not a secret now. Apparently he hated Donkey Konga and wanted nothing to do with it, but, you know, Japan overruled him and they had to market and sell it. (sighs) Donkey Konga. I bet he's got 
egg on his face now. Yeah, he actually, I should, I should amend this. He actually said that to G4 in an interview. Like some of this stuff has been coming out of his book. Some of it is is the press tour for the book. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to hurt the Donkey Kong brand. Personally, I didn't find it a lot of fun to play. I pushed back hard. Well, that follow up, that follow up is pretty good. Where he goes, but you know what? We launched it. First game actually sold reasonably well, but boy, I was not a fan. Hey man, he tells it like it is. I'm yeah. staring at a bongo controller right now. That's how he got to the top. Uh, it's funny, like looking at this story, just the the little unit on the side, like related headlines. You can literally just go down the list from a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Don't hold your breath for Mother 3 or more Earthbound, says Reggie fils mm-hmm. Reggie fils claims Nintendo of America was, quote, quote, forced to launch Game Boy Micro. <laughs> Reggie fils thinks Animal Crossing could make a good blockchain game. Like, so that's well, the thing. I missed, I missed he's, that one. He's also been getting out there talking about some blockchain NFT stuff. So I'm just going to come out and say right now, maybe Reggie is not the batting 100% business mind that we all think he is. Uh, look, if you're in business, I mean, arguably, that's exactly what business guys should be doing because that's what everybody's throwing money at right now. That doesn't mean Not anymore, though, it. because that market is bottoming the fuck out. Uh, well, NFTs are. I mean, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see. But anyway, hmm, Reggie. Donkey Konga. Um, hated Donkey Konga. I'm not a fan. Also, mm. Con- fan. okay. So Konga was the was the rhythm game, and the other one. What was the one that was the uh, the the actual adventure p- platformer that you used with the Kongas? Oh gosh, wasn't it also Donkey Konga branded? It was. Uh, what was the name of that? Oh no, 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 that was Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, wasn't it? Jungle Beat, yes, yes. That you played with the bongos. Yes. I wonder how you felt about that one. You don't want to know. That was mm-hmm. worse. Donkey Konga, just the straight-up rhythm game, was it was like a Taiko knockoff. It was all right. Sure. It was loud. I think it was made yeah. by the same developers, wasn't it? It might have been. Yes, this actually the story says that Donkey Konga was straight-up developed by the Taiko no Tatsujin team. Vinny, do you remember when we played that in the studio? Do you remember how fucking loud that thing was? Yes, 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 I do. It's not a game. It's a game made before streaming, so... I can't blame them, but uh, microphones and the, the congas. That, I, I'm telling you right now, Reggie's too polite to say it. That controller tore households apart. I believe it. Children maybe. were thrown out onto the street. Yeah, maybe he just didn't want to hear his kids banging on that thing all the time. Divorces. <laughs> we cannot put this out here. Were the result of the, this controller. I, I have an interest in reading this book. I just... I feel like I'm getting all the good stuff out of it, though, week by week with headlines. God. I don't know. I don't know if I'm as interested in reading just, the stuff between these stories. It's like you worked in the Trump administration or something. Just, the <laughs> book comes out and they just write stories about everything in it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Just compile all these things. It's together. almost like they were only doing all of this just to write the book eventually. <laughs> yes, that's right. Reggie knew. Uh, Reggie says, "Fuck him. I'm gonna. Have I'm gonna write the book Nintendo material. book that yeah, no one else gets right. to write." Gee, thanks, right. Reggie. You could have said fuck him in front of a congressional committee, but you yeah. have to wait and sell your book. <laughs> Somebody holding up Reggie's book about Mother 3 <laughs> in a congressional hearing is very, is very. What did very he know and when me. did he know it? <laughs> he Mother 3 could have come out. It could have come out. It says right here. Uh, can you turn just that dumb slide they always put up? Can you turn? Oh, you don't remember? Can you turn to page one? Depends on what your definition of the word localization is. 
<laughs> I brought a uh, I brought a uh, a witness for localization. Thank you. Gosh, Nintendo. I will probably read that book eventually. Uh, just not right now. Like you said, all the good stories are already coming out. So what is what is do the, we, that what is the title of the thing? I did it my way. I don't know, Reggie. Um, fuck him. The Reggie story. <laughs> Hang on. I knew this at one point, and I have forgotten. Uh, Disrupting the game from the Bronx the to the top of Nintendo. I will read. Is there an audio version of this where Reggie reads it? Oh God, I, I man, if he's not going to read it, they shouldn't even do it. Yeah, totally. Right. I agree. Yeah. That man uh, has a soothing I, voice. That's, uh, that's one word for it. I don't know. Like I, I find him enrapturing to listen to. I, I was at that Nintendo press conference where he came out and nobody knew who he was because he had like just been appointed the head of Nintendo and like who knew who video game executives were back then because they didn't do a lot of stage shows, right? <laughs> and he literally just, like the first thing out of anybody's mouth on this Nintendo stage in like 04 or whatever it was, was the whole, my name is Reggie, I'm <laughs> about kicking ass and taking names. Mm-hmm. Just like, what is happening to this company? I know. I, uh, they, I will say right now, Doug Bowser has not done the work to win the hearts and minds that Reggie no, did in his no, early tenure. No. They, they tried to introduce people like that on those stages a couple of times after that, and I feel like it didn't Never go played. over as well. You know, they, they really try to have the next person uh, uh, to take over. I will say Disrupting the Game is read, narrated by Reggie. Good. All uh, right. Great. Uh, yeah. So Great. I might actually add that to my cart. And Perfect. If I had a commute, I would listen to that. Uh, I'll listen to four words a day as I walk from my bedroom to my office. <laughs> <laughs> He's about to say mother something, but I don't know what the rest is. Yeah, I'll have to wait till tomorrow. Something, something about his mother. It's, it's all very weird. Uh, he's about to get into some deep stuff. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the news this week. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for supporting us. This week, we went over. 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 Are you roar? Trek to Yomi, Citizen Sleeper, Salt and Sacrifice, and Alex had his early access update with Iron Oath. He's beaten the early access. Yes, I beat the story that they have so far. Uh. I want to thank everybody again for supporting us. If you'd like to support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash nextlander, where you can find a whole menu of tiers there. Find a tier that's right for you. Order up and keep Nextlander going now and in the future. Order up. I want to thank everybody. Order up. You can get like Order up. Free hamburger with your patronage. No, well, we, we can't promise that. that. We, yeah, can't we can't promise free hammer. Oh, wait, okay. No, no, I didn't, no, I didn't no, say no. that. Did you have any idea how complicated it is to <laughs> ship meat to people? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say a, that. It'd uh, be tough. There is a tier on there called the Mysterious Benefactor tier that gets their name written, written, read on this Oh, it's written down, podcast. and then it's read. Yeah, both of those things do happen, and I'm going to read those Mysterious Benefactors right now, starting with Vornak. Vinny's Giant Booga Boogas, Nelson LeBlanc, James Smith, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Nick Donegan, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejke, Conrad Kuzman, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Thorpe Stovetop Crimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics. Andrew Jackson, Bacon Monk, Anders Buga, Devin Maestro Hall, Brian Murphy, Kevin Velado, 
Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Aaron Gonzalez Beer, Andrew Tiebkin, It's Me JP, Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Richard Welsh, aka Hired Noobs, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, Tyler Treese, and Reggie Fizeme. <laughs> Those are your mysterious well, benefactors. Finally, he can be unmasked. He just he just signed <laughs> up since we started recording. It's weird. It's weird. Did, I just, it's just, how does, wait, how did he know? Oh, wait, he's got a custom message here. It's, it's directed to us. Fuck yeah. him. Aww. Reggie loves us. Yeah. It's, he loves us. I'm going to make an NFT of that. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you to all our mysterious benefactors, and thank you to everyone who has supported us, both patronage-wise on Patreon, yeah. and also watching, listening, and and just speaking very positively about the next Lander experience. I know you do it. Yeah, I want to thank you there, for it. Telling your friends, telling your family, and soon you'll have yeah. maybe you know some more things from us to tell your friends and family about as we are nearing our one-year anniversary. We are uh, we got some things cooking. Is all I'll yeah, say. That's true. Now. Things are cooking. Also. Uh, we did send a document with logos and stuff to people what make shirts and hats. And the th- wheels things. are in motion. Those wheels are in motion. I would like to replace my hat with a Nextlander hat. So I'm not only a, a founder, I'm also a client. I'm going to get a haircut. <laughs> what Finally, thinking, we're putting that money to good use. What Wouldn't it be interesting if I wore this hat during this whole pandemic thing and then I took it off and I just had a luscious mane. Just a straight up like Jim Morrison mane comes flopping just, down. Yeah. And would everybody be cool and not say anything and just be like, wow, I guess just Vinny grew his hair out. It just, uh, that just happens. I mean, it'd be weirder if I did it since I haven't been wearing a hat this whole time. And then all of a sudden I just shook my head and all this hair started <laughs> flying out. That would be visually very interesting. Yeah. I would, I would be there for that. Thanks again, everybody. Um, we have a bunch of stuff up on the sites now, the collective sites, yes. the, the network of sites. The we have Lander family on. of platforms. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can go check out our release ish day stream that we did on Monday. You can go check out uh, Alexi Quest, which is coming up tomorrow as of the time of this recording. Then Friday, we have um, on the calendar a Friday fun stream, but. We're not exactly sure. We think we're in riff tracks ish. Yeah, we're definitely going to do some riff tracks if nothing else. Yeah, we weren't sure if that holds a whole stream together, but we'll, we're going to try it. Listen, there's a lot uh, of bad movies out there. There's new mystery science theater happening right now over on the Gizmoplex. Like it is, there's never been a better time to talk jokes over bad movies. Uh, and we got the Ramblecast stuff on that release-ish day stream stuff. Brad played a game called Peglin, which we didn't talk about this week, but I thought it was really neat. Yeah. At the, Kind of Peggle adventure-ish it's, game. Yeah, it's, it's pretty slight. It's in early access right now. I think we saw most of it. But yeah, it's a Peggle roguelike. Peggle RPG of sorts. If you like Peggle. That was neat. Check it if out. If you like stats, check it out. I do. Then Peg, Peglin. Peglin. Is the game. We also did some Loot River and also some... Um, Trek to Yomi. Trek to Yomi, if you're curious about what those games look like. We got you covered. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. End this podcast now, and we will see everyone back here, especially you in the front row, next week. Bye.